When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and thank you for joining me on Yoga Birth Babies. Today, instead of interviewing someone, I'm doing what I call a mini-sode. It's where it's just me talking about a certain topic. So a while ago, I did a webinar with the Birth Institute, and the webinar was titled Doulas, Do's and Don'ts. And it was looking at what a doula does as well as keeping within the scope of practice. And it was intended for birth professionals. But I was really taken by how well I thought it went in the questions that the community asked. So I thought that I would riff on that and do my own version of it. Please still listen to the Birth Institute one because I think the live question and answer was really helpful and inspiring. But this is my take on it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So I'm going to talk about doula do's and don'ts. But before I get into that, I want to give a little bit of background of even why I became a doula. I think that's going to help color how I came to practice the way I did as a doula and how I formulated what I think, besides what Dona, the doula organization I'm part of, they outline very clearly the boundaries as I practiced and as I became a mentor and as I was fortunate to have a mentor, that really also helped shape the way uh, I believe the doula profession should go. So why I became a doula? Some of you guys might have heard this story. Back in 2004, I attended my first birth and I was purely just an observer. I wasn't a doula then. One of my students at the prenatal yoga center had invited me to observe birth. I had never seen live birth, even though that was something I was teaching. And that day when I went up to the hospital, I saw quite an array of births. I saw twin vaginal births. I scrubbed in for a C-section. I saw two vaginal births. But it was one that I still clearly can see the picture in my mind that really was a turning point in my life. It was very excitable. There was a lot of people in the room, including myself. And what was happening was that the woman had had a vacuum extraction. So that's when a little cap is attached to the baby's head and a, a suction is created. And the doctor is pulling on the suction cap on the baby's head while the mom is pushing. 
By regulations, the cap can only pop off three times before it's declared that they can't use that method anymore. And usually the mom moves to a cesarean. So here we were in the room and the mom had already had the cap pop off the baby's head twice. So everyone knew that this was the last chance before they had to decide to have a surgical birth. It's very exciting. The head attendant doctor was there, and the mom did successfully push her baby out. And there's a big sigh of relief. Baby was completely fine. The parents seemed a little shell-shocked. And the room soon cleared out. And for whatever reason, I was left there. And there I was, standing next to this brand-new life who was bundled up like a little burrito and who was placed in the little baby warmer, the heater, instead of with the parents. And the parents were left there, pretty shell-shocked. The mom was having some repair done to her perineum. But the baby wasn't with the parents. The parents just seemed a little out of sorts, and people weren't really comforting them or offering them support and guidance. I left that day pretty distressed by what I saw, and I didn't have words for it at the time because I was still so new to the practice of watching birth. I mean, that was my first time seeing live birth. And even new to the world of prenatal yoga and childbirth advocacy, I've only been doing it for that point about two years. But I knew something didn't feel right about what I saw. And so I sat with it. And that night I decided that I wanted to learn more. I wanted to go deeper. I felt there needed to be a bridge between what was happening in the classroom and what was happening in the birthing room. So I enrolled in a doula certification. I just felt that something more needed to happen. We all come to the path of being a doula for whatever draws us there, for those that are out there. And it's an amazing profession. It's a lot of sacrifice, being on call, uh, but it's incredibly rewarding. Now, since I started attending births, and I have not been attending too many births since my kids are young, but I attended a little over 100. But since my time of joining this profession has completely skyrocketed, which is wonderful since more women are having continuous labor support, which we know studies have shown leads to less interventions, lower cesarean rates, but more importantly, more satisfaction for the mom about her birth. And while my experience uh, did get formed a lot through the three-day workshop, a lot of it was informed very much being on the job. I was fortunate that Terry Richmond was my mentor, and I had many friends as well that were forming in the doula world. So as we all went to births, we were able to decompress and talk to one another about it. And so that really became my foundation for what I was later going to continue to do as a doula and add as my career. I think what happens sometimes is that because the training is only three days and maybe someone doesn't have necessarily a mentor, I think, unfortunately, the parameters, the guidelines in which we're supposed to practice sometimes can get overlooked. And unfortunately, I believe that leads to some discourse with the hospital staff and the doctors and also a negative view of the practice of a doula. So today, we're going to look at ways we can band together as doulas and make sure we are delivering the best quality of support and honoring the boundaries of the practice, as well as caring a caring practice for ourselves to help us enable a long and healthy career, and that doulas can always be seen as a help, not a hindrance. So I'm going to look at the do's, and I have a lot more do's than I have don'ts, which is great. 
Some of these I think will be anecdotal and I think you'll be able to understand them, but we're going to just jump straight in for the do's. The doula should be able to provide evidence-based information when the mother has to make a decision and the doula should not make a decision for her. As a doula, I have been asked at times, what would you do? And I would always try to pivot it. I try to pivot the question to how do you feel about what the care provider said? And then we can start to look at the original intention the mom had and then start to go over the pros and cons and really discuss. And again, go back to referring to the evidence-based information. It could be so easy to say, oh, I think this is what you should do, but you're not the one who's having the birth experience. So it's very important that the doula stays within offering evidence-based research and information and not making the decision. The doula should also be able to read the situation. That's really hard sometimes, really looking at the nuance, and should also understand when to keep quiet and when to speak up. One of my favorite aspects of being a doula is learning how I could best serve the mom during labor. Most people don't necessarily know how they're going to react. They may think, oh, they're going to want this, and then something else happens. It's also important that the doula can look at the situation and know when to change the tactic. That's part of the reading the situation. An example of this, I keep referring back when I was writing this up, thinking about my own second birth. And for a while, I thought I was pretty happy, if you can use that word, or or satisfied. I was sitting on my bed on with my birth ball and I was kind of leaning over the birth ball, rocking my body and hips and moaning and howling during the contractions. And that was for probably about an hour. And then at one point, my doula, Terry said, okay, I think we need to switch it up and let's try the shower. And at the time I didn't quite understand. I'm like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. What I realized is I was getting kind of stagnant and I was getting tense during the contractions and that she was able to read that in my body and my sounds, how I was handling the contractions. And she saw that I needed a new tactic, a new change of scenery to see if anything could shift. I was kind of uh, planing there. I was just uh, coasting. I wasn't really moving further in the labor and she saw that. And so her trained eye could see that we needed to shift things up. I was getting a little stale with what I was doing and I went to the shower and that was, and I'm thankful that I did because for me, that was a turning point. I really turned the corner into transition. And so a trained eye could start to see that I could start to see, okay, she's a woman's not handling the contractions as well. She's really coasting. She needs a little something and her eye can look at that. The doula should also have many different tactics to offer the mom of pain relief. I remember one time I had a client that was convinced she would want massage the whole time. And so we discussed different massage techniques and I brought all sorts of oils in. And as labor progressed and I started pulling out the oils and you know changing it up, she realized she didn't want anyone touching her. Absolutely no touching. All she wanted was to have myself and her partner right by her side. In fact, she ended up straddling the toilet for most of the time, quiet in the bathroom and just closing her eyes, sitting there on the toilet, moaning and moving. And all we did was just breathe with her, myself and her husband. And we're just breathing with her and being present and holding the space. And it's important that the doula has all different tactics. I literally show up with a bag full of pain management, but then also some of it's just emotional or offering a mantra or helping the mom relax her shoulders or face. 
So we never really know what the mom's going to want until we're in it. This next yoga or doula do, it's huge. It's one of my favorite things. It's starting to look at how the couple works and how to help the partner be as involved as he or she wants and how to offer guidance. And it's really digging deep into who these people are. So one thing I like to do is I start to open up the topic during the prenatal meeting of how the couple works best together and the expectations of the mom and the expectations of the partner. So first I start with a question and not that birth is stressful, but the two people are out of their everyday activities. So the mom is not going to be who she normally is. She's not going to take the role that she normally takes. So maybe she's the one that organizes things or she's the people pleaser or she's the organizer in this situation. She's not going to take that role and it could be challenging for the dynamic of the couple. It could also be challenging for the partner to see the mom in a very different, almost kind of animal-like state at times where she has to retreat inward and rely on her breath and sound and movement that the partner doesn't normally see. And that some partners have said that's inspiring and amazing. And some said it took them by surprise. And so having a conversation about the change of roles and what the laboring mom may sound like or look like, and then what the laboring mom expects of her partner. And then the partner can talk about how he or she wants to be involved. I've had partners that want to be extremely involved. I've had partners that were apprehensive and said, during the labor, please help me be involved. I'm not sure I'm going to know what to do. And then I've had other partners say, the whole reason you're here is because I don't want to be too involved. So that's a conversation to start to look at. I also think it's important to look at and understand the dynamic of the couple. So I had a a couple, I think it was maybe my sixth or seventh birth, and their dynamic was that they bickered and they were kind of at each other's throats the whole time. And I was so new to the practice and it was a little bit tense in the room and I was not sure what I should be doing. Should I be trying to calm them down. I didn't want to take anyone's side. I didn't know how to diffuse the situation. So I called my, my mentor and I just said what I was seeing. I'm like, I don't know. They're in this huge fight. And what she relayed to me was that that could just be how they communicate. That could be their complete baseline. That's their norm. They just bicker. That's their, that's the relationship. And once I heard that, I started to understand and I didn't try to feel like I had to fix anything. I was just, again, holding the space, helping the mom, supporting the partner however I needed to. So one thing that I would bring up at the prenatal meeting, what I would say, you know, if you're under stress or you're fearful, how do you act? How do you act individually? How do you act together towards each other? I know that when I'm really stressed out personally, I start to get quiet. And my husband knows that if I'm not talking and I'm quiet and I'm kind of still something's up for him. I know if he's starting to talk a lot, I know something's up with him. So looking at how one reacts to being off kilter a little bit, I think that's helpful for the partners to hear as well as the doula to get a sense of how, what to expect and how she can help. I also think it's helpful for the couple to start talking about 
fears that may, they may have around the birth. Now, this is something I feel pretty strongly about. The doula does not ask specific questions regarding the woman's socio, uh, social or medical history, but she can use it as a place to let the couple discuss the fear. I usually just start to say, I start with a writing exercise. I do this in my childbirth ed class when I do private couples. And I start with just them, the two partners sitting there writing separately of what is your perception of birth? And then they write for about five or 10 minutes and then we discuss it. And that perception of birth can highlight what some fears, some deep innate embedded fears could be. You know, if the one person grew up hearing that birth was amazing, that the parent already had, you know, the mother, the grandmother to be already had this amazing birth and passed that history on to the woman, the laboring mom, she's going to have a very positive sense of birth. If you grew up hearing that it was a horrible experience full of fear, you all, the uh, parent almost died, that's what's going to be ingrained. So we could start to uncover that by just looking at what your perception of birth is. And from there, we could talk about the fears. Again, I don't need to know specifics. If they want to share that with me, that's fine. Um, that way I have a sense of what the triggers could be. But it's something that I often leave the couple sitting with. And if they say they have no fears, I think they need to dig a little deeper. I actually had a midwife that said, if the couple comes in completely confident, fearless, that she knows they're up for something. And I get that. I remember on the, I think it was my fourth or fifth birth. And this one was really an eye-opener for me. I arrived at the woman's apartment and I didn't think she was in very active labor, but she wanted me there. And of course I was so new. I'm like, absolutely, I will be there. And it turned out to be a very hard birth. And we knew that this was going to be, it was going to be an only child she was going to have. That was the arrangement that she knew. And there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations on this birth. And the baby was posterior and there's also meconium. That's the baby's first bowel movement. So we're removed from the birth center up to the LND. And it was at least 24 hours, and it did end up with a cesarean. The mom had a cesarean to birth her baby, and there was a lot of disappointment. The mom was pretty upset that that's how her birth unfolded. A year later, she reached out to me to come over and visit her. And truthfully, I was terrified because I know the birth did not go how she wanted. I didn't know what was in store for me. And so she talk to me about that year it took her to process her birth and she was in therapy and she really uncovered that there was a very deep fear that she had from crossing from maiden to mother, crossing that threshold of the free spirit to the responsibility of being a mother. And that is not uncommon, that, that concern, that fear. And she suggested that I take a psychology course so I could recognize this and support her. And I thanked her for the information. And I was, I didn't know what to think of that. So I called my, I called Terry, my mentor. She's like, no, that's beyond your scope, which I was quite relieved. But it did open my eyes to understand that we need to look at the fears because the fears can create huge obstacles 
emotional, physical obstacles that can, and if there's a lot of fear, the adrenaline's going to go and that's going to disrupt the labor. But if we could look at what those fears are and start to tap into it, we're not going to necessarily get rid of them, but we could at least acknowledge them. So should they start to arise during labor, there is something that we can do. Again, I may not as the doula know what those fears are. Maybe the mom doesn't share it with me, but it's still in, I could still recognize if a mom is having a hard time and that something's coming up and without knowing the specifics, I could still support her. I still have that capacity to look beyond the specifics and still offer her love and emotional support and physical support. So I think it's important to look at and examine the underlying fear that might be there and then to discuss with your partner just so you have some support there. So that's a lot about how to support the partner, how to support the woman, looking at who the the couple, who they are, their dynamics, what they expect of one another, and the role change. Moving a little on the lighter topic, I think the doula can also help the mom and partner create the birth plan or birth preferences. This is usually done at the prenatal meeting. Once the doula has been hired, she's going to meet with the partner and the mother, and they're going to talk a lot about their envisionment of the birth. I like to take notes, and then from there, I type them up and then send them to the client just to make sure that we're completely on the same page, that what I heard her say and the wishes she had is what I interpreted, and that when we show up, we're both playing the same game. I also like to have the notes, so should I need a backup my backup has the notes and she's not learning the couple on the spot. Another doula do, I think it's helpful to navigate the system so that the doula is familiar with the hospital in which the mom's birthing or at least the general way the hospital functions. For example, that the doula understands the basic protocol when the mom arrives at the hospital, that she's rarely going to be directly admitted into labor and delivery. She's usually going to three triage first, or that understanding that you can request a different nurse, or you have the right to refuse students, doctors in the room, or even residents, so that you have a sense of how the system works. I also think every doula should have a backup doula, because emergencies and illness are never planned, so it's vital for your doula to have a backup out of the 100-plus births I attended, I did have to call my backup in. Who would have thought I had two moms? Their due dates were actually 10 days apart, and of course, they were in labor at the same time. So Terry came in. She supported one of the moms while I ran to the other mom. She already had the background of information, so she knew the couple and the mom and her preferences. And then when I was done with one birth, I came back and finished that one off. So having a backup is very important. In my opinion, this is number point eight, I think it's important for new doulas to also have a mentor. It's not in a lot of the boundaries that you might find from donor or other doula organizations, but I think it's incredibly helpful that when a new doula is learning on the job, that if she sees something that she's unfamiliar with, she doesn't know how to handle, that she can reach out to her mentor and her mentor can come back to her and help her decipher what she's seeing and give her support. I know now that I'm not doing as many births, I have let myself to many of our teachers at the studio to be their mentors. And it's really rewarding for me because I'm watching them flourish and I'm watching them support women in a really beautiful way. 
A doula should also support a woman regardless of her birth choices. Now, I will say a lot of birth workers believe that the body has a natural capacity to birth their babies without much intervention or little intervention or no intervention. However, that does not mean that a doula should only support those women. A doula should support a woman no matter how she chooses to birth. And if she can't, then she needs to really uh, not work with that population, in my opinion. I think it's up for the woman it's up to the woman how she chooses to birth and we need to support that this is her vision and this is her birth history a doula who has given birth may want to take some time to process her own birth so it does not overshadow the woman she's supporting or get in the way of supporting the woman and i can directly relate to this the first birth i attended after the birth of my son I was just so lost in empathy. I remember cuz I had such a long birth and it really was exhausting and so challenging that when I showed up to support my next client I just knew where she was and the discomfort she was in and that she wasn't on the other side yet. And while I supported her and I used all my skills it was hard. I hadn't processed my own birth and I let that overshadow my ability to put aside my empathy and really be present. So, unfortunately I learned that the hard way. Um but I think it's important to take some time process your own birth so that you can really be present and put your own history behind you. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now, Aminards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Number 11, a doula should also be prepared to take care of herself. Again, you got to learn this the hard way. I think you guys are all learning from my mishaps. So in the beginning, I don't think I did this quite as much. I was so gung ho to be there, a hundred and ten percent for my clients that I didn't necessarily take care of myself. I barely drank anything. I barely ate. I was shoving a granola bar in my mouth in the corner. I refused to sleep, even if the mom was resting. I wanted to be right there in case she needed me. And then that started to really burn me out. So I learned that kind of like when you're in a plane that's having turbulence and the air mass drop down, the mother needs to put it on her face before attending to her child. If I don't take care of myself while attending these births, I'm not going to be really there and supportive to the mom. So I learned to make sure that I did continue to hydrate myself and that I continued to Um, use the bathroom. I remember being like, "Oh my god, I have to pee," but she needs me so badly. I made sure that I did eat, and if the mom was sleeping, even if I was in the chair next to her, I did sleep. So I want to make sure that even though I'm giving her the support, I'm still taking care of myself. I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm using the bathroom, I'm sleeping should I need. Number twelve, make it clear as nicely as possible that while you're coming to the mother's birth with a bag literally and figuratively of information and pain pain coping skills that you cannot promise or predict the outcome 
I often got the sense that when I was hired as a doula that there was some sort of magic wand they expected that because the doula myself or whoever was there, that everything is going to be okay. And while their studies show that having a doula does lower intervention, ultimately the doula has no control of what happens. And I do think this goes back to even further that the best way for the mother to assure that the birth goes how she envisions is to make sure she's aligned herself with the best care provider that sees her vision and the place of birth. And then the doula is just another strong member of that team. So being there, offering your skills, but making it clear that if you're, if you chose a high risk practice and you're a low risk woman, having a doula is not going to change the way the care provider works with you. Number 13, stop and take a breath before entering the birthing space and try to leave your drama behind. And I always did that. That is something that was part of my routine. That even if I was in a panic to get to the place of birth, I rushed there, I got on the elevator, I got there right before I entered the room. I stopped, I took a breath, I grounded myself, consciously left whatever it was I ran into behind. I greeted the couple. I said, hello. And I'd put my bag down, go wash my hands. It was part of my ritual, kind of shedding the outside and being fully there for the mom. Stop and take a breath before entering the birthing space. And this is my final point for the yoga do. Finally, throughout the birth, remember, as you're supporting the woman, try to keep in mind that the impact birth has on a woman and her family. And ask yourself periodically, how will she remember this? And then do your best to create a warm, empowering memory for the mother, especially if the birth is unfolding differently than the mother may have wished. And in those cases, just keep reminding her that she's doing an amazing job and you're so proud of what she's doing. So those are my yoga do's. It's time to shift gears a little bit. Let's look at some of my yoga don'ts. A lot of my yoga don'ts came from stories from other doulas, from students. And I don't think I did any of these myself, but I do think there's something to look at um, a little carefully. So a lot of my students reported back now. The studio actually just turned 14 recently. So we've had about 15,000 students come through the studio. So I've heard many stories. So let's look at some of the yoga don'ts. Doulas are not medically trained. Doulas should not be getting, giving medical advice or performing medical tasks such as taking blood pressure, using a Doppler to assess fetal heart rate or internal exams. While some doulas may have some other training, like I know I went to uh, the Farm Midwifery Center and I did get certified as a midwifery assistant and they did teach us internal exams. It's not within my scope of practice as a doula. And so that is not my place to assess internal exams. However, seasoned doulas are often very capable of what I call guesstimating how dilated a laboring woman is by simply watching and looking and listening. So if I'm watching a woman and she's really chipper and cheery when I enter, I could figure out she's probably not in active labor. She hasn't turned the corner. 
But if I'm watching a woman and she's heavily relying on her breath and her eyes are closed and she's moving her body and she's moaning, and then I'm looking at the pattern of the contractions and how she's handling them, I could start to get a sense of where she is in labor without having to do an internal exam. Now, I will say I do carry a thermometer in my doula bag because in, I don't personally take the mom's temperature because that's actually considered um, a medical task. But I've had instances when the membranes have ruptured and the care provider will say, you can stay at home, wait for labor to really kick in as long as the mom doesn't have a temperature. So I was actually quite surprised to learn how many people do not have thermometers in their home and how many times in the middle of the night, like two, three in the morning, I was running around the Upper West Side of Manhattan looking for a thermometer at Duane Reed or CVS. So I do carry a thermometer. But even that, taking a temperature, would be a medical task. Number two. Discuss how the doula responds to emergencies. It's not totally unforeseen that a doula may face a precipitous birth. That's when birth happens extremely quickly. I believe the number is under three hours from beginning to end. I actually did have a third time mom whose water broke while she was in the shower and immediately she started to push and I arrived. EMT had already been called and we were right there as the baby's head was emerging. I was supporting the head and luckily EMT came in, but I knew that I should not be delivering this child because that is not my scope. I did have a student explain to me that she was handling contractions really well and kept putting off heading to the hospital. And then she realized she was too far along to head out. And instead of the doula calling 911 to have EMT come over, the doula actually started calling home birth midwives to see if anyone can come over to the woman's apartment to deliver the baby. And my jaw just hung over when I heard that. None of the midwives came. So the woman ended up having an unassisted home birth with the EMT arriving after the baby was born. So when you're considering hiring a doula or if you are a doula, have an emergency backup. It's not up to you to start calling home birth midwives because it's, it's not their client. The best approach is call 911. Don't try to do it on your own. The doula should support and try to facilitate the birth expectant mom wants, not the one the doula wants. And we talked a little bit about that, believing in, in supporting any of the birth choices. And again, that could be really challenging if it's quite opposite of what you believe as a doula, but it's important that women receive support. I've had many times clients at the studio say to me, you know, I really don't want to have a cesarean, but I am scheduling an induction because my mom's in town and I want my mom there. And if the woman has done her research and she understands it, it is not for me to tell her any differently. So we need to support and facilitate the birth expectant mom wants and not the one that necessarily the doula wants. The doula should not ask the mother to lie to her care provider. Again, this story comes from one of my students. She told me that the doula had told her to lie to her care provider about when her water broke so she could stay home longer. And when the doctor told the laboring mom that she should start to head to the hospital, the doula actually instructed the mom to say they're on their way, but with the intention of staying home longer. Many problems with this. Again, the, the doula is starting to make medical decisions, but the woman hired that care provider to care for her and to look at the big medical picture and 
help her and support her and offer the information. And if the doctor thinks or midwife thinks that, okay, this woman's membranes have only been ruptured for an hour, that's a totally different thing than this woman's membranes have been ruptured for five hours. There's different things to look at. It's a different, it changes the whole scope of practice and support and management. So the doula shouldn't ask the mom to lie because that's going to change how the care provider is supporting the woman and the decisions she's making. It was interesting when I did this webinar and one of the questions that came back is the mother asked the doula to lie as opposed to the doula asking the mother to lie and what should the doula do? And that, that was interesting. I still believe that you need to give the proper, the correct information to the care provider and not lie because you're taking matters into your own hands when you do that. And when you've hired a doctor or midwife to support your care, you need to give them all the information. And as a doula, I think you, if that should come up, I think it's important to encourage the woman to tell the truth and give the doctor the full picture. Number five, a doula should always be reachable 24-7 from when she's on call. That's part of the doula's job. One of my students said that her doula missed her birth because she kept calling and never showed up. And one of my friends that's a doula, she said for whatever reason, she spaced out. These are two different situations. She spaced out and just turned her phone off, even though she was on call and she missed a birth. So it's the doula's job to pick up the phone. In fact, I know many times if I had a client in early labor and I was heading to bed, I would wake up so often with anxiety of like, did the phone ring? Did my phone not work? What's going on? Or if I woke up in the morning, why am I still here? Shouldn't I be at the birth? Is everything okay? So it's very much the doula's job to be reachable 24 seven from once she's on call. This one's for the doula. Don't overextend yourself. Personally, being on call was one of my least favorite parts of the doula lifestyle. It's a huge sacrifice for your schedule and your family and even just basic planning of events. So what I started to do was I would take three or four births and I would cluster them in two or three weeks and then I would take a month or two off. And I've known doulas that just burn themselves out because they're so excited or maybe it's money or whatever it is, but they just overload themselves with too many births that they're burnt out and they're not offering the best support or they're missing births. And my final don't, don't beat yourself up if a birth doesn't turn out the way the mother had envisioned. Give her love and support and point out all the amazing things that the mom did do. So if it was a cesarean birth and the mom was really hoping for an unmedicated birth, there might be disappointment on the mom's part. And the doula, remember, we want the woman to have positive, supported, empowered visions of birth. So we could point out, I'm so proud of you. You were so strong when you chose to move this way or the way you surrendered to the change of plan was absolutely incredible. Your breathing was great. Whatever it is, just try to support the mom. But no matter how the birth turned out, you as a doula, you didn't cause that and to not beat yourself up if it didn't turn out the way the mom envisioned. 
So those are my doula do's and don'ts. I hope they're helpful for doulas that are new to the profession. I hope they're helpful for women that are thinking of hiring a doula to understand what you can expect from your doula, the scope of practice. So I thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to go to iTunes or Stitcher and give us a rating, give us a good review. This way others can continue to find us and learn and empower themselves for amazing births and supportive births and loving births. So I'm going to sign off for now. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much. Namaste. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.